0: Welcome to UNews the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Wednesday, May 26, I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. More than 37 million people expected to take to the skies this Memorial Day weekend, but with inoculation slowing down, the question remains, can the US hit President Biden's ambitious vaccination goals? The state of Texas about to ease its gun laws while mass shootings are on the rise across the United States. And the Manhattan District Attorney convening a special grand jury to review evidence in a case that is quickly engulfing the Trump organization. This and much more today on U News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin with breaking news. Multiple people were killed in a shooting near a light rail control center in San Jose, California this morning. The Santa Clara Sheriff's Department says the victims are employees of the Valley Transportation Authority. Authorities say the suspect has died. California Governor Gavin Newsom says he is in close contact with local law enforcement, but no other details are known at this time. Meanwhile, in Texas, lawmakers have passed a controversial bill that would allow residents to carry handguns without a license, background check, or training. Proponents of the bill say it ensures Texans have access to personal protection in public, but critics argue it eliminates mandatory training that helps protect the public and makes it more difficult to determine who is unlawfully carrying a weapon. The legislation has been sent to Governor Greg Abbott's desk, who has indicated he would sign the bill. Once signed, it will go into effect in September. 19 states already allow permit-free carry or have laws set to go into effect in the coming months. Now to major news surrounding the investigation of the former president, New York prosecutors have seated a special grand jury to consider evidence in a criminal investigation into the Trump empire. Now that panel could decide whether Donald Trump or the Trump organization will be indicted after a two year investigation. The former president lashing out after hearing these latest developments prosecutors in New York convening a special grand jury to decide whether to bring criminal charges against former President Trump. It all stems from questionable business dealings brought to light by Trump's former fixer and lawyer Michael Cohen. Overnight, Trump issuing this statement. This is a continuation of the greatest witch hunt in American history. It began the day I came down the escalator in Trump Tower, and it's never stopped. This is purely political and an affront to the almost 75 million voters who supported me in the presidential election, and it's being driven by highly partisan Democrat prosecutors. The development, possibly a signal that the Manhattan D.A. is seeking charges after a two-year investigation. Prosecutors are investigating a variety of matters, including whether Trump overvalued his properties to obtain bank loans and deflated the value of those same properties to pay lower taxes. Prosecutors are looking through millions of pages of documents, including Trump's tax returns, which they obtained in February. It also encompasses Trump Tower, the family estate known as Seven Springs, its Chicago Hotel and Condo Tower, as well as the hush money payments made to silence Stormy Daniels, the adult film star who alleges an affair with Trump. Trump has denied the affair. This could possibly lead to indictments for the former president, his family, or his company. So far, the Trump Organization has not issued a comment. According to the Washington Post, the grand jury is scheduled to sit for three days a week for a period of six months. News of the panel signals that officials could be coming close to the end of this investigation. And another legal news surrounding the former president, a court document with redacted portions was unsealed Tuesday in the federal case against Rudy Giuliani. But the information under those redactions could be seen with minor editing. The filing revealed prosecutors seized material from more people in this case than previously disclosed. That includes emails and iCloud messages from two former Ukrainian government officials and mobile devices from a pro-Trump Ukrainian businessman. Authorities are investigating. if Giuliani illegally lobbied and was paid by Ukrainian officials while he investigated then-presidential candidate Joe Biden. Giuliani has not been charged and has denied wrongdoing. Meanwhile, as the Republican Party itself continues to seemingly divide into two camps, there's more controversy within party ranks. Some GOP leaders are forcefully condemning Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, calling her comments comparing COVID-19 safety measures like mask wearing to the treatment of Jews in Nazi Germany, appalling. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell called Greene's comments one of her, quote, frequent outbursts that are absolutely outrageous and reprehensible. Still, he said any disciplinary action against her would have to come from the House. And Representative Elise Stefanik of New York, the number 3 House GOP leader, said equating mask wearing and vaccines to the Holocaust minimized the most significant human atrocities ever committed which now leads us to a broader civil rights debate taking place right now in America, whose civil rights are being violated. On the right, as Marjorie Taylor Greene gets rebuked for claiming that mask mandates are akin to the treatment of Jews in Nazi Germany, other leading GOP voices have been pushing the idea that conservatives are the ones being systematically targeted and deprived of fundamental rights, including Senator Ted Cruz, who regularly invokes the threat of progressive, quote, cancel culture as a serious threat to conservative beliefs and values. Joining us now with some insights into this escalating tension over civil rights is Professor Charles Zeldin, a political science professor at Nova Southeastern University. Welcome back to U News, Professor Zeldin.
1: Glad to be here.
0: So before we even dive into the question, let's just start with the basics. What do you think is and is not a civil right?
1: A civil right is a political right. It's a public right. It means a right that allows you the freedom that everyone else has to engage in the public realm, from contracting to to speech, but but also the right to vote, the right to be heard, the right to have a, a, a place in our society and to be treated basically
0: the same as everybody else. We're used to hearing about civil rights in relation to historically marginalized groups. So when you hear conservative leaders increasingly using rhetoric to say they are under threat, whether that's Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signing a bill to stop tech companies for deplatforming political candidates, or Ted Cruz referring to a quote, quote, cancer, are they making a legitimate case?
1: They are raising something that could be called a civil right which is to say they're they're talking about uh, the question of whether they have a say in the public realm or they're being silenced. But remember, these are individuals complaining about being silenced, and here we are talking about them. Here they are with their views well known. So there's a, there, there's a difference between somebody, uh, an average individual who's being denied the right to vote and, and, and has no way of, of, of expressing that and complaining about it and fixing it, and uh, a senator who has multiple avenues to express their views, whether one uh, source
0: uh, quiets them down or not. So then how exactly does one balance competing claims of civil rights abuses on the left and the right, especially in this sort of political environment that rarely has time for nuance?
1: I I think ultimately what you look at is the impact of this limitation or this, this disparate treatment, which is to say, what is the effect of it? if it is that you are being totally silenced, that's not acceptable. I don't care if you're right, I don't care if you're left. If it is, on the other hand, that you're being silenced on one forum, but you have other forums where you can make yourself known, the impact is kind of small. While it's not great that it's happening, it's also not overwhelming, whereas, If you are somebody, an average citizen, who is is being silenced or who is being denied the vote or is being denied equal treatment under the law, all of these are things with major impacts on people's lives and no solutions outside of the public realm, which is to say society saying this is wrong. We we, we can't have this. so ultimately, while I'm, I'm willing to agree that the, 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 the rights argument that this is our civil rights issues is, is legitimate, um, they are on the whole relatively minor issues compared to what the left is bringing up and what we think of more as traditional civil rights. Uh, something to be, to be uh, concerned about, yes. Something to act about at the expense of the other side, no.
0: So how do you see this playing out for someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene, which we mentioned moments ago, and her opponents in the GOP? Well,
1: if if you look at what's going on, she's complaining that she is is being silenced. It seems to be the civil rights argument being made here. And yet she really isn't because we know what she thinks. She she expresses these views. They get spread. and on the other side, when they look at what she's saying, they, they're they saying for every right that we have under the Constitution, there is a responsibility to use it properly, to use it carefully, to use it in a way that doesn't cause harm for other people. And she may be crossing that line. In fact, I think she has crossed that line with her comments.
0: Always an interesting conversation. Great to have you on the show, Professor Charles Eldon of Nova Southeastern University. Thanks once again for all your time and insights. Sure. The Biden administration is running out of time to achieve its vaccination goal before the July 4th deadline. The White House coming up with new strategies to motivate those who remain unvaccinated while states continue to promote incentives. Lorraine Gassetes has the very latest.
2: The clock is ticking, the Biden administration with only five weeks left to achieve its vaccination goal, boosting the number of adults with at least one shot of the COVID-19 vaccine from this to this. Not a small feat when the rate of vaccinations nationwide drops every week. The White House teaming up with Snapchat to try to convince young people to get vaccinated. People 24 and younger are seeing lower vaccination rates than older Americans. Experts are focusing on them to help reach Biden's goal by the 4th of July. Meanwhile, states are doing their part. Colorado, now the sixth state, to offer a cash prize to those vaccinated.
1: This is a million dollars cash on the barrel that you can use today. Buy a new home, take that uh, vacation, uh, take, take six months off, Uh, do whatever you like, a million dollars goes a long way.
2: Maryland announcing its first winner of $40,000, the lottery happening daily for the next 39 days, and Delaware offering not only cash, but also vacations and tickets to events. As Memorial Day approaches, the CDC issuing a warning. If you are not vaccinated, our guidance has not changed for you. You remain at risk of infection you still need to mask and take other precautions. The CDC also releasing a new report Tuesday on breakthrough infections, saying those cases make up a small percent of all COVID infections. More than 10,000 were reported as of April 30th, but that's among more than 100 million fully vaccinated people. Meanwhile, as life gets slowly back to normal, an important question lingers. How will we know who is vaccinated or not? In Georgia, state agencies, state service providers and state properties are now prohibited from requiring proof of vaccination. On Tuesday, Governor Brian Kemp signing the executive order saying, quote, vaccination is a personal decision between each citizen and a medical professional, not state governments." Alabama and Florida also taking similar steps and this upcoming Memorial Day weekend, uh, there's more than 37 million passengers that are expected to take to the skies and that only increases the possibilities of more incidents of unruly passengers. The FAA is now reporting that so far this year, they've received more than 2,500 complaints from airlines about unruly passengers. The vast majority of those complaints, 1900 of them, all about mask wearing. Just last week, a Southwest flight attendant was attacked by a person that was refusing to wear a mask and she lost two teeth after being attacked. The FAA right now is fining five passengers with up to $15,000. Back to you, Andrea.
0: Since President Biden took office, the Department of Homeland Security has undergone significant changes, many of which have led to the lowest levels of deportations and arrests on record. Progressives and immigration activists are hailing the changes and pressing for more, while Republican lawmakers are launching some legal challenges. Edwin Pitti has the latest details on this from Washington, D.C. Edwin.
3: Andrea, today DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorcas presented his agency's budget for fiscal year 2022 during an Appropriations House Subcommittee hearing. Mayorcas explained his agency's operational priorities within Immigration and Customs Enforcement. The Secretary said his focus on turning ICE into a premier national security agency to then elevate all of the work they do regarding immigration. According to Mayorcas, the changes will be possible with President Biden's. billion discretionary requests for DHS. Take a listen. This request includes approximately $1.2 billion for border infrastructure improvements to fund modernization of our land ports of entry and border security technology, and to ensure the safe and humane treatment of migrants in customs and border protection custody. It would also support our enhanced efforts to combat the smuggling and trafficking of people, illicit drugs and w- weapons while providing for more efficient travel, trade and commerce. Ranking member Chuck Fleischman pressed Mallorca on recent changes within ICE, change that, according to some agents who spoke to The Washington Post, are creating frustration among them. This is what he said. As the secretary, we are looking to you to provide answers.
1: I fear we are at a crisis point. Border apprehensions are
3: at an all-time high, but ICE apprehensions are at an all-time low. The latest numbers from from ICE show that reality. April saw a record decrease in deportations. Only 3,000 undocumented migrants were deported, 20% down from March. ICE apprehensions are also down in April. 2,000 immigrants were arrested compared to the roughly 5,000 in January. Republican lawmakers are also concerned with the hike in immigrants being released in the country from detention centers, that number rising to 12,000 in April from January's 3,000. This is the beginning of an uphill battle. Republican governors have launched legal challenges against the Biden administration, saying the way ICE is being conducted is not only illegal. According to them, it's also putting Americans in harm's way by allowing undocumented criminals loose onto the streets. Live in Washington, D.C., back to you, Andrea.
0: Thank you, Edwin, for bringing us those details and reactions. And another administration news the Biden administration is enhancing pipeline security after the colonial pipeline hack. Companies like those will soon be required to report cyber attacks to the Department of Homeland Security. And that's according to sources familiar with the plan. Right now, companies report cybersecurity incidents on a voluntary basis. This change comes about two weeks after the Colonial Pipeline was paralyzed by a ransomware attack. The company had to shut down operations causing gas shortages in the Southeast. More of you news after this short break. Welcome back to U News. Netflix is releasing a new series about a 2011 massacre in Allende, Mexico that left dozens of people dead or missing. The fictional series to be released next month was inspired by a pro Publica investigation titled how the US triggered a massacre in Mexico. The investigation co published with National Geographic reconstructed a botched DEA operation that had targeted the leaders of the set drug cartel. The operation turned bad when corrupt members of a DEA trained Mexican police unit informed cartel leaders of the operation, unleashing a wave of violence. Joining me now, is a reporter on that story, Ginger Thompson. She's the chief of correspondence at ProPublica. Ginger, welcome to U News.
4: Thank you for having me, Andrea.
0: So unlike many massacres in Mexico, this one was triggered by U.S. involvement. Can you tell us more exactly about what happened?
4: Well, so, you know, in many of um, law enforcement operations, there are informants. There are um, people who work with the criminal organizations that are being investigated but cooperating with the police. And in this case, there were informants who were both members of the Setas cartel who were also working alongside the DEA. And um, the DEA had encouraged these and pressured these informants to get them phone numbers for the leaders of the SethT cartel to get them the actual codes um, that would allow them to trace the phones that belong to the leaders of the Setas cartel. The informants did this. They acquired the um, pins for the um, Blackberry cell phones for the Setas leaders. They gave those pins to the DEA asking the DEA to please be careful. With those pins, not to share them with Mexico, because if they were shared with Mexico, they would get back to the setas. The setas would know where the leak was and they'd come after them. And that's exactly what happened.
0: Your story relied heavily on the testimony of people responsible for the attack as well as victims. How challenging was it to get them to go on the record about this?
4: It was very challenging. I mean, this was a this was an an, an attack that had largely gone uncovered for many years, had largely gone unspoken for many years because people were too afraid um, to talk. And they were afraid to talk because they couldn't rely on authorities to protect them. The reason this attack could happen in the first place is because the government, its law enforcement agencies, security agencies were all corrupt and connected to the Septus cartel. And the people who were victimized in this attack understood that. And so it was an attack that went unspoken for years. um, And it took us more than a year, a year and a half, to sort of build the trust of people in that community and get them to speak to us.
0: Has there been any justice for the victims?
4: So there has been apologies by the government, including this current administration. Um, President Lopez Obrador's administration has sent um, emissaries to Allende to issue formal apologies for what has happened. Um, But the victims and their relatives still um, have not gotten full and clear answers about what happened to their loved ones, nor have they nor has the government fulfilled its promises to, to sort of um, indemnify them for for their losses. And so they continue to wait for that.
0: What does this massacre say about U.S. involvement in the drug war in Mexico?
4: Well, what it says is how much um, at one time the United States directed a lot of Mexico's pursuit of the most important traffickers in the country. This was a strategy, the kingpin strategy that was, you know, crafted in Washington and sort of um, imposed on Mexico's security forces um, because the United States believed that by capturing the kingpins of all of these organizations, it could then dismantle them and that that would then sort of stop the flow of drugs across the border. What we saw is that didn't happen. These trafficking organizations did sort of split into different cells, but the traffic across the border continues and the gangs are more violent than ever.
0: Thank you, Ginger Thompson of ProPublica for bringing us details on this story. Take care.
4: My pleasure, thank you.